In this episode about curation, I fittingly included um, links to some interesting stuff I found while researching for this episode, so be sure to check them out. I think you'll enjoy them. Better With Books, episode 21. Be a curator, not a critic. Also, curation is a form of creation. I'm Roots, the producer and host. A critic's job is to point out flaws. The better the critic, the more flaws they find. A curator, on the other hand, does pretty much the opposite. A curator's job is to gather the very best stuff, whatever that be, prose, poetry, film, music, vacation spots, computer wallpapers. The list of things that can be curated is endless, just like the list of things that can be consumed. And today, in this information-flooded world where we have access to everything all the time at the tap of a button, which do you think we need more of? The critic, picking out what doesn't need our attention, or the curator, finding the relatively few things that deserve our attention, that will interest and inspire us? You probably agree with me. We need more curators. But what exactly is a curator? Maria Popova, by far my favorite curator, describes curation this way. Curation is more than packaging. It is to help readers discern what is important in the world. And, from an article published by the Neiman Lab, just as its origin in the art world, curation online is premised on the idea that a curator with a point of view calls content around a theme that he or she deems of cultural significance. She defines herself as a curator of interestingness, and she's actually one of the people who inspired me to start this podcast. I thought about how she literally makes a living reading and writing, and I thought that would be super awesome, so I figured out a way to combine my hobbies, reading and podcasting, and this podcast is what ensued. But Popova also went further in defining what it is to be a curator. Here's from the Neiman Lab article. Quote, If information discovery plays such a central role in how we make sense of the world in this new media landscape, then it is a form of creative labor in and of itself. A form of authorship, if you will. But if curation is a form of authorship, what exactly is being authored? Here's how I understood this rather confusing idea. Authorship through curation implies adding, even just a tiny bit, of oneself into the process. In the sort of least-case scenario, you share a link on Twitter without comment or anything, but you are authoring others' perception of your taste in art or humor or whatever you just shared. And most of the time, we don't just share links. We add comments. Sometimes we write entire blog posts around them or create videos or podcasts or paintings. So that's where authorship, creation, comes in. We are adding, we are improving or changing the source and or the perception we want others to have of us or, more importantly, the stuff being curated. This is all very meta, I know, um, but the idea that curation is a form of authorship is also pretty meta, so I work with what I get. And it's true that even when I'm doing my most curatory work, I'm still also creating original content. No matter how much or how little I deviate from or add to the original content, at least some part of it is my own. This thing that I've created has never existed before and will never exist exactly in this way ever again. 
It is a creation as well as a curation, so it must have been authored. Therefore, curation is a form of creation, of authorship, as Popova wrote. The truth is, we're all curators. We all pick out the things we want to spend time and attention on, and the things we think our family and friends should spend their time and attention on, but we also accept help with this job. We trust Google to rank the search results it hands us. Twitter recommends people for us to follow so we don't have to go looking for users we might be interested in. YouTube's homepage is amazing at how it shows us videos that it thinks we will enjoy watching. And Goodreads lets us know what we'd probably like to read based on what we and other readers have liked in the past. And we trust individual people, too. Our friends, librarians, museum curators, etc. The list of people and things that curate the world for us is endless. We're surrounded by curators. And when we're deciding what art or media to consume, we pretty much never make a decision that isn't informed by someone or something else. Our time is too precious for us to take that sort of a risk. And since we're all curators, I think it's high time we figured out what it takes to be a really good curator. Think of this episode as lesson one in a class called Curation for Life. So here are the two things that Maria Popova of Brain Pickings has taught me about curation. Number one, be diverse. I struggle with this one, especially with regards to this podcast. There's only so many different ideas or topics I can think about and explore over a given time, and often those ideas pop up over and over again in slightly varying forms. So I'm always having to force myself to pivot into new territory. For example, I was thinking about racism and discrimination a lot a couple months ago, and I had to tell myself that I couldn't make a bunch of episodes about racism, so I settled on the one. As a curator, I owe it to the people who listen to my stuff and follow me on social media to be far-reaching in the ideas and art I choose to share. But that's not to say that you should only curate or share things you think other people will like. The other people follow you for being you. They follow you for the things that you like. And that leads us to this next piece of advice. Number two, trust your taste. As a curator, your job is to find and share interesting things. But how do you know what other people will find interesting? The truth is, you don't. You can't. You never will. You can only know for sure whether you found it interesting and hope that other people will too once you share it. And you can't trust anyone else's taste either, especially as you build an audience. If your coworker comes up to you and shows you this funny video he found funny, but you don't find it funny, it's probably not the right video for your curation channel, for your audience. It's our job to make a decision each time we take a picture, find a new website, read a tweet, or hear a song. Do we like it? Do we repost it? Do we tell people about it or bookmark it? These questions are important ones. Because what others think of us and their perception of the world are made up of the things we curate. Our own perception of the world and the culture we live in and what is hip or cool or worth our while is also made up of the things that the people we follow or trust have curated. The entire internet is a chain of curators all linked together, sharing and filtering content and ideas so that we don't each have to go through all of it by ourselves. Instead, we each get a little chunk of it to sort through. The few sites we visit regularly, the few creators we follow, the few art scenes we keep track of. As a citizen of the internet, you are not exempt. It is your duty, whether you like it or not, and the good news is you do it whether you realize it or not. 
Well, now you realize it. And now you can do it consciously and maybe better. Because it's not something to scoff at. Your digital life won't be disappearing anytime soon, not even after you're gone, so that trail of things you've recommended and liked and commented on might as well be a good one. Next week, there's going to be a sort of related episode about basically advice on who to follow, like what sort of creators to follow, what sort of people to follow, and just to keep our lives interesting and our curation channels, or basically just our social medias, interesting for our followers. Until then, you can let me know on Twitter or Instagram what's the last thing you curated and how did people respond and what are sort of your guidelines for what you recommend to people. You can find me on Twitter at Ruth Roots, that's Ruth R-O-O-T-Z, and on Instagram at Roots Mac, that's Roots M-A-C. The theme music for this episode is a track called Melt by Broke for Free. You can find him on Spotify and on Free Music Archive. I highly recommend listening to his stuff.